read Psalm 23. Just let the words, the word of God is powerful. It will change your heart if we hide it in our hearts. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I had an amazing vision. Just there was a, a, an instant, I don't remember what song it was, but just um, Alan said there's something special, or you said there's something special happening here. And in the spirit, I literally had this vision of a gigantic Jesus. He was standing, towering over us. And in the one hand, he had that table. And in the other hand, he had that table. And he was standing there holding them before us. And he was saying, I'm here. Come unto me and receive. So that was the picture I had in terms of the intimacy we were having with God. So we're going to look at the word a little and just unpack it a bit so that we can, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And we want to just a full participation in what happens today. So I'm going to pick up in Psalm 23. I'm going to look really at two verses, which is the table and the verse before it, it speaks about. So it's verse 4 and 5. It says, Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me your rod to protect, and your staff to guide. They comfort me. So what is the valley of the shadow of death? I think traditionally people have used it at funerals, and you know, where saints are being buried, and, and there is a sense they're going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death, because we slip into a place of glory, but we leave our body behind. But it's actually much more than that. And if we look in Romans 8, 6, we, every single one of us is living in the, in the valley of the shadow of death right now. And let, let me explain. Turn to Romans 8, 6. I've got 20 minutes. I'm going to talk fast. So, <laughs> so we go to Romans 8, and we go, we, we're going to go to verse 6. This is what it says. How many of you know we live in this world? I think it's obvious, isn't it? Okay. Right, so this is what it says in Romans 8, 6. It says here, The mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comprises, I'm reading from Amplified, all the miseries arising from sin, here and hereafter. But the mind of the Spirit is life and soul peace, now and forever. That is because the mind of the flesh 
with its carnal thoughts and purposes, is hostile to God, for it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And we live in a world that is comprised of reason and the wisdom of men, natural wisdom, wisdom without the Holy Spirit. And the true wisdom is the wisdom in God. It says the, you know, the, the foolish things of God confound, confound the wisdom of the wise. So we are subject to thoughts. We are subject to values. We are subject to actions every day, all day. And that's all around us. And we are walking through this life. So death is surrounding us in that sense. You see what I'm saying? The wisdom of the world is here. And it's the wisdom that does not conform to God. It's hostile to God. And that's why it says we're to bring captive every thought that's in our minds and bring it down into submission to the Word of God and to God. So let's have a look now. Um, Okay, sorry. Let me stay on my Psalm 23. So, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you see that in the sense of what I'm saying? It's more than just... Oh, well, you know, it's, it's their time to go. No, it's not that. It's our everyday life. And what is it in everyday life? Um, the psalmist writes here, David, he says, I will fear or dread no evil. So there is evil that is besetting about us. There's voices that are talking to us. There's anxieties. There's fears. There's all kind of things going on. Anxieties for others. Health. Finances. Pensions, you name it, all the pressures that come against us. Where are my children? What's happening to them? What are they doing? What are they thinking? So we walk through all these places, um, and, and we face the, the, these kind of issues. Every day we face these issues. And then uh, David says, I will fear or dread no evil. Why? Because he knows he's in God. He dwells in the shelter of the Most High. So... What is it that comforts him? He says, your rod protect. We have the name of Jesus. We have the authority of God's word. And we know that the things of God are higher. They're higher than the things of the world. In terms of the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the things of sin and death. But what are we going to look at? And that's what the very next verse is going to address. So we have the word of God. We have the name of Jesus. And that's our comfort. That's the authority that, that uh, guards us. The angels of the Lord are encamped about us. And it says, um, your rod protects and your staff guides. That's the love of God, his love for us. And we've, we, we've been experiencing that now. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit are with us. So we walk through life aware of things around us, but we look not to what is seen we're looking to the higher realm. We, look, we fix our eyes on Jesus. If you read Hebrews 12, unfortunately we can't read all these scriptures and unpack them. Verses 1, but really uh, verse 2, where it says, Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And the word of God comforts us. It's the light. It's the lamp in our life in the midst of all this darkness. But look at the next one. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Because these things are all around us. But he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And God's not preparing a lovely table so we can uh, be 
looking away from the table and looking at what's surrounding us and looking at what is challenging us and looking at what is shouting at us. You know, the tyranny of the urgent um, and all the things that shout at us through our senses, through our minds, demands of people, etc. We're not meant to be looking at those. We're meant to look at the table. So let's see what he says here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup overflows. So now I just want to unpack that a, a little. Let's go to Numbers 21 verse 9. It's right at the beginning of the Bible. I need one of those things that just flips the scriptures up on the, on the screen. Okay, Numbers 21.9. So here the people... This, now, why do we look in the Old Testament? Because it's there to teach us principles of God. The covenants of God have changed because they had the covenant of, uh, in Moses, the tabernacle, and the law. But we are now in the covenant of grace. Grace and mercy has come through Jesus Christ. But God is the same. That's why in Hebrews 13, 8 it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's the perfect representation of the Father. So let's have a look here. So we're going to learn a principle here by, by looking at this scripture. All right, so in fact, I'll go a little bit further back than verse 9. Um, there the people are, they're walking through the desert, life's dull, it's boring in their eyes. They're not seeing the glory of God, the cloud. Imagine having a cloud leading you uh, by day and fire by night. Amazing, having that presence, manifest presence of God. Well, we're better off because we've got God in us now. So, uh, but they had an exciting life. There was miracle after miracle. God was feeding them every day in the wilderness. Okay, so it says, verse 5. Uh, of 21, Numbers 21. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die? For there's no bread. There's no water. We loathe this light manna. Can you imagine? What are we having tonight, dear? Ah, we're having pickled manna. What are we having the next day? What are we having? Oh, fried manna. What are we having the next day? Uh, cold manna, hot manna, you name it. Manna, manna, manna. Manna bread, manna this, manna that. So that's what they focused on. Okay, and, and they complained. Look at verse 6. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord. Pray to the Lord. He may take away the serpents. That's typical. Take away our troubles. Just take away the stuff that's, that's all around us. We're in the world. We're not of the world. There's all this death around us, as we've just looked at in Romans 8, 6 onwards. So, you know, we could say, Lord, take away evil. Deliver me from evil. Let it go away. Take me away from, uh, I don't like temptation. I don't like this. I don't like that. Lord, I'm struggling in terms of getting ahead financially. Lord, take away poverty. We can't, we, we don't pray like that. Look what God did. So it says, Moses prayed for the people. Their idea, they had the answer. God, we see we've sinned, so we're saying we're sorry, but now this is the solution. We want you to take away the servants. Don't we often pray like that? We say, God, I've got a problem, and this is what I, how I'd like you to fix it. It didn't work like that. Look in the next verse, verse 8. The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent of bronze, set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of bronze, put it on a pole, 
And if any serpent had bitten any man, when he looked at the serpent of bronze, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. So let's say you, you're an Israelite now. You're walking through the wilderness. Something's just attached itself to you. Eek, horror, it's a snake. Here it is, right in our midst, and it's hanging off my leg. You know, so what are you going to do? Look down at the snake and, and just think in the natural how people respond. Well, let's fix this thing. I'll do what I can. The guy looks down. He sees the thing hanging on him. He might grab it, throw it off, and then he starts trying to squeeze the venom out of his leg. And, oh, help me, someone. I've, I've been bitten. I've been poisoned. And, uh, and, oh, my leg's going red, and he's really focusing on the symptoms. And I'm going numb. And get a priest. Let him cut my leg off so I can live. You know, that's kind of how we live in this world. But the answer is no. What they told to do is they told to look at the brazen serpent on the pole and look at the words. More than just look. It's not a casual glance. It's attentive. It's, uh, let me read the words it says. Attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. What is it that they're looking at that they're hearing the word of God. The word of God has said, if you look expectantly at that brazen serpent on the pole, you will live. Now, what is that brazen serpent? God's put a picture for us to understand um, in the scriptures. There's a principle there. Look to the, to the brazen serpent, be expectant, be attentive, and know the benefit that there is for you doing that. It's life. That's the benefit. And so you look at that thing. You, there might be two or three of these things wriggling around your feet. You just ignore them. You look at the serpent on the pole and you live. All right. So I'm speaking about these things because God says, I've prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And the enemy of Israel in the wilderness, in this case, was the snakes. Those are real. They're biting them. They're dying. So it's not... Um, it's not like uh, you think wise to look down and try and sort the snakes and maybe kill them and throw them away from your children, etc. God didn't take the snakes away. He said, look on the pole. Now that's daft, if you think in natural thinking. Because the wisdom of God is foolishness to, to, to the people of this age, the people without the spirit. So what is the snake on the pole? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Okay, we're going to John 3. John 3. Let's just do this quickly because this is so exciting what this is about. John 3. And we're going to read verse 14 and 15. I want you to see this. It says, okay, you, those of you there, I'm reading. 20 minutes is going fast. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert on a pole, so it is necessary the Son of Man be lifted on the cross in order that everyone who believes in Him, who cleaves to Him, trusts Him, relies on Him, may have eternal life. And that eternal life is speaking of Zoe life, the God life. And what is the God life? Jesus mentions it in John 10.10. 10. He says, I have come that you have life and you have it in abundance. And... That you have shalom, uh, peace. Shalom in the Hebrew basically is, is, is a whole lot more than just one word, peace. 
It's basically saying nothing missing, nothing broken. Abundance in every way, in your relationships, in the work of your hands, um, in, 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 in your thinking, um, in your family relationships as well, and in your health, etc. That's what Jesus is talking about. So we to look to Christ. Now what happens? We, we face many issues in life. And this is where we get to the table. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What are you going to look at? What are you going to look at? So God said to Israel in the wilderness, look at the snake on the pole. Pay attention. And he says here in John 3, 14, 15, this is a picture of Christ lifted on the pole. Now they knew there was a benefit, the, the Israelites did in the wilderness. There's a benefit in looking at the snake on the pole. They will live. And it doesn't matter what's around them. They will live if they're conscious of the pole. Now we have to be, when we look to Christ on the cross, we know he's the glorified Jesus now. He's not on the cross. But what we do when we look at that image is we must immediately meditate on the benefits and receive the benefits. That's why it cannot be a casual glancing sort of quick glance and, and then you're off onto something else. No. Pay attention. Pay attention. Look attentively at Christ on the cross. Because as you do that, you think the benefits of what happened. And the best way to do it is to get into the Word because He is the Word. He's the living Word. But you pay attention. You say, okay, like Isaiah 53, 4 to 6 is speaking of Christ on the pole, on, on, on the cross. And it's saying, your God has laid on him the iniquities of us all. And, and our sorrows and burdens, he's lifted off us. Only if we're looking and being aware of that. And then we can speak out our mouth what, what, what we see and say, God, I thank you. I see Jesus took the burdens. He took the, the heartaches. He took, the, um, he, he, he took away the sin. He took away the shame. It's all gone. And... As you look, you, you see, and, and I'm healed. He bore the stripes, so the, 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 the sicknesses and all the horrible stuff we see in the world, diseases, etc., they were laid on him. And as you look, you're starting to see what's on the table here. You start seeing the grace. Because you know it says, in Christ, God has blessed us. I'm, I'm looking at Christ on the cross. What are the benefits? Another benefit. Every single blessing that there is from cover to cover in this Bible and maybe even blessings that aren't in this Bible, God has given them to us. If you read Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says, Praise and glory be to God. Uh, laudation, and, and it's got all these flowery words which I don't use. And, uh, but it says, Who has blessed us with every blessing in Christ Jesus. In the heavenly realm. And how do we participate? That's exactly what we're going to do now. We're going to do a prophetic act. In terms of. We are going to feast on the Lord's table. And I want you people. Each one of you. The blessings are here for you. You come here. You lay a hold of them. Take them. Expectant. Knowing that those benefits. Israel looked at a, a, a snake on a pole. What's that? A brazen snake. When you compare it to the Son of Glory on the cross, it's going to be powerful. 
So receive. We, we need to receive. And probably if I have any message to the church, uh, it's two words. Pay attention. That's it. Pay attention. Let me read you from Hebrews um, what God says about this. Now, Hebrews is written to Christians, not to, not to non-believers. So we go to Hebrews uh, 2. Sorry. I'm so busy turning. I'm forgetting where I'm going. Hebrews 2 verse 1. Okay. So here we are. Okay. There's just amazing truths that are unpacked about Christ in, number, uh, in chapter 1 and how the angels are there to help us. But then in, 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 in chapter 2, because it, it flows, it's not divided like we've got it, but it's just so we've got reference. It says, Paul's writing, telling us about these things that are in the previous lines. He's saying, since all this is true, this glorious uh, covenant that we're in, he says we ought to pay much closer, closer attention than ever to the truth that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them. How does that happen? We don't pay attention. We're involved in the, the hurly-burly of life, and we're involved in, in kind of trying to resist some of the rubbish that's, that, that's been said and you know, the values of the world that are ungodly, and we see all that stuff, but we're not paying attention. The Lord's telling us, look to the cross, look to the benefits, look to Jesus, and forget about what surrounds you. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He didn't take the snakes away. He said, look to the snake on the pole, and you will live. So, Pay attention. Let me read on. It says, if the message, verse 2 of, of chapter 2, if the message given through angels spoken by them, the law spoken by them to Moses was authentic and proved sure, and every violation and disobedience received an appropriate penalty, how shall we escape appropriate retribution? I mean, there is the fear of the Lord in what I'm talking about now. He says, if we neglect and refuse to pay attention to such a great salvation as is now offered us, letting it drift past us forever. E. That's like the Israelites in the wilderness with the snakes all around saying, Oh, but that's just a snake on a pole. I know God said, but hey, we've got to deal with these snakes. Let, let's get us a party together and let's get some sticks and go and beat the hell out of these things. Let's go and kill them. Let's clear the camp. That wasn't the way. And maybe briefly they might have had a bit of success, but the snakes would have been back because God wanted them to look to the snake on the pole because that was a picture of Christ on the cross. So that's really the message to us today. So ignore the voices of the enemy that face you right now. Every one of us faces enemies every day. That's why these truths are true to all of us. We face issues. Come and get the benefits. You know, it says that the entrance of the word brings light. Jesus is the light of the world. And in a way, I was hearing God saying, when you feast on Jesus, he's each one of these things. He's your peace. He's your energy. He's your strength. He's your joy. He's your life. And uh, he's your breakthrough. He's your victory. He's all these things. I, I can't name this confidence. 
there's liberty. Where the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty. There's scriptures for every single one of these things. There's righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. Because what happened was, it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, if any man be in Christ, um, yeah, he's a new creation. Then you go to verse 21, right at the end of 2 Corinthians 5. It says, he became sin that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, what else have we got there? Boldness. He has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of love, of power, of a sound mind. Boldness. No fear. Wholeness. Wow. There's just so much here. So I hope that just helps you come and enjoy this to the fullness. Appropriate every one of these blessings. Um, take the bread and wine and understand these prophetic acts as we think about these things these things will manifest in our life. So, it's, so if you need healing, is the healing on the table here? Yeah, do you want to tell everyone what's on the table? So what we want you to do, we want you to come and, come and eat the body, drink the blood of Jesus. There's uh, lots of different, uh, we're going to do it differently. So I want you all to come up and just come up in quietness. I know there's sometimes where we, we do this as a, as a celebration. Just come up, come up in quietness and just ask the Lord, what are you needing? And so there's confidence, comfort, salvation, victory, peace, strength, deliverance, presence, discernment, self-control, breakthrough, grace, light, joy, restoration, endurance, freedom, wisdom, mercy, patience. These are the, some of the things that, and I want you to take one of them home, one or two of them home. There's, there's, I think there's more than 400 little pieces of paper here. Take them home and put them in your Bible. This is what you're feeding on today. You're feeding on Jesus. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you went to the cross, that we can look to the cross. We can see that the cross is empty. We can see that the tomb is empty. We know that you are seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's what we enter in today. We enter into the fullness, fullness of joy. We enter into everything that you have for us. Everything that you won on the cross, it is all done. There is no condemnation, absolutely no condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. Because there's forgiveness. The blood has forgiven us. And so we thank you for this feast this feast with just life. Maybe as couples, maybe as families. Think about breaking bread together in your family. And the words that you've taken away today, put them in your Bible. Let them feed your life. I know once we, we sent Anthony, he went on, a, on an outing when he was about nine and he was terrified. And he was in tears and the, we, we plucked him off me at Mary Ellen and we put him on the, on the bus and we gave him a scripture and we said, just quote that scripture, quote that word. And, and he was in floods of tears. He didn't want to go. And with his trepidation, two days later, we met him and he was beaming. His face was shining. And he said, it didn't work when I just said the words. But when I believed it, that's when it, it worked in his heart. So those words that you've taken today, whatever it is, 
If you're needing endurance, if you're needing compassion, the Lord has given it to you. In fact, He's given you all these words. We could have all taken all the words today.